There is little doubt that America is experiencing an unprecedented fatherless crisis. Approximately 80% of single-parent homes are led by single mothers, leading to millions of our youth growing up without a father in the home. How does this impact our society, and what are the ramifications of this impact? Dr. Bill Petrie will look at this most important topic. Fathers are different from mothers. They look different, they sound different, they play in a different way, and they usually have a different approach to raising children than a mother does. And that is a good thing. A boy learns from his father without even realizing he is doing it. He learns what a man is and what a man does. He learns about masculinity, about what men like, and do not like. The relationship we have with God is intended to also be reflected in the relationship we have with our earthly fathers. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, we read, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Moses commanded the people to observe God's commandment, statutes, and rules wholeheartedly. He makes it clear to the people that the positive consequence for obedience is that your days may be long and that it may go well with you. This phrase, that your days may be long, was not unfamiliar to the people of Israel. They had already heard it before at Mount Sinai, where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. The fifth commandment God gave the people of Israel says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God gives you. It's Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. The relationship we have with our earthly father is intended to reflect the one we have with our heavenly father. God bestows upon fathers the moral authority to stand in his place to instruct children to be self-governing, to learn to love their neighbor as they love themselves. To train children in this way is then given as a direct instruction. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 8 explains what it is as a good earthly father that he must do. First, he is to train up his children in God's ways. Second, he is to remind them of God's goodness. And third, he is to discipline them when they stray from him. As part of their responsibilities, 
the Israelites were to love the Lord and train up the children in his ways. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 22 tells us, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24 goes on to talk about the important role of a father and the love and discipline he brings. It reads, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Not only did the individual Israelite need to constantly reflect on God's laws, he needed to pass the knowledge to his descendants as well. In other words, the knowledge of God should flow from a father's private heart to his own family in the home. As Moses said in Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. The piling up of these pairs of contrasting verbs together is a literary device known as merism, the combination of two contrasting words to refer to an entirety. This tells us that this teaching to children was not meant to be a one-time or once-per-week activity. Rather, it was to be done continuously. As such, Moses asked the Israelites to talk about these words all the time, regardless of the location or time of day. One of the lessons the children needed to learn was Israel's redemptive story. That is, how God rescued them from Egypt, from the land of Pharaoh. Moses anticipates that the children will ask questions. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What do the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments mean, which the Lord our God commanded you? When the children ask questions, God wants fathers to give a compelling answer. An answer that reminds children of their history and transmits the values inherent in the obligations of the promises God has made with us. Rather than being distant, God gives fathers the powerful and freeing opportunity to admit to their children how they needed God to deliver them from bondage so that they can know the goodness of God and live accordingly. This principle confronts us with a pattern in the way God's teaching should be properly done. The knowledge of God is supposed to go from a father's private heart to his family in the home before it finally reaches the public or the community and its governance, including its system of justice. Such a pattern, when applied diligently, creates a people dealing with one another in a loving and mutually beneficial manner. However, because of our sinful society, children are not inclined to hear their father's direction. Moses said that the Lord disciplines Israel when they did not hear him, just as a man disciplines his son. 
By discipline throughout the remainder of this podcast, I mean a training that corrects, molds, or perfects the mental faculties or moral character of the child. A good father disciplines his son to go into the world and be both loving and successful. To equip him, the father allows the child to go through life difficulties while under his protection so that they can develop life skills that will equip the child to endure greater difficulties when they are on their own. The father will allow the child to try to reason through these difficulties without babying the child. This is a difference between men and women. Men will oftentimes allow a child the opportunity to do numerous things through trial and error, and they are not afraid to let their child fail. This all allows that young person to learn reasoning skills that will allow them to become responsible adults. As a parent, the human father thus seeks to improve his child's wisdom, resources, and knowledge by training their child in the way that child should go. In the same way, God allowed Israel and now allows us to go through a learning process to give positive moral lessons to us. Discipline is never fun, but it is invaluable. The excellent coach disciplines their team so they will rise to the challenge at the end of the game. God disciplines his children in the same way so that we can gain the skills needed to trust him and to possess the land in a manner that brings blessing. Ultimately, good fathers on earth play a key role in helping their children draw nearer to God, their Heavenly Father. In training up their children in the way of the Lord, a good earthly father sets his children on the path to becoming sanctified, useful to the Master, prepared for every good work. In recounting stories of God's goodness, he reminds his children why they should seek to live their life as fruitful members of the family of God. In disciplining their children, a good father brings his children back to obedience to the commands of God so that they can enjoy fellowship with him. This picture is what God is constantly doing for us, giving us instruction in his scripture for training in righteousness, reminding us of his goodness and disciplining us when we stray from him to the end that we live a fruitful life as obedient children and eventually inherit a heavenly reward. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 states, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction 
for instruction in righteousness. Starting with God the Father, fathers have played a vital role in the development and longevity of mankind. Traditionally, fathers have embodied and inspired the values of honesty, strength, responsibility, and more in their children and community, while protecting the vulnerable from evil and harm. We can look to the Bible for examples of these values and the importance of fatherhood in family and society. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 states, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. All these critical lessons are learned from our earthly fathers. Is it any wonder Satan's attack, for as long as I can remember, has been against men being engaged as fathers? The disorder and decay in virtually every arena of society is an indication to the fact that the American family has moved further and further away from God and his plan a blessing for mankind. Since the mid to late 1960s, when rad radical feminism began to have a greater impact on relationships between men and women, American society has seen an alarming increase in absent fathers. The role of men has been mocked and ridiculed, and all while gender roles have been disappearing from society. The absence of a father has tentacles that touch many of the issues our communities face today. These effects touch education, affordable housing, poverty, widespread criminal activity, drug, alcohol, and sexual abuse, along with economic chaos and an increasing plethora of personal, psychological, and physiological health issues, leaving us exasperated and asking the question, how did we get here? And what can we do to turn our communities around? Herein is the root cause of societal prob problems. But <clears throat> we are still not ready for this discussion because American society continues to downgrade men and their vital role as fathers. I want you to consider the following statistics from the U.S. Department of Health. 63% at 6-3% of youth suicides, that's children under the age of 18, are from fatherless homes. That's five times the average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. That's 32 times the national average. 85% of all children 
who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. It's 20 times the national average. And in fact, recent studies from the Center for Disease Control says that this number may even be higher. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. That's 14 times the national average. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. It's nine times the national average. There's a father factor in education. Fatherless children are twice as likely to drop out of, out of school. Children with fathers who are involved in their lives are 40% less likely to ever have to repeat a grade in school. Children with fathers and who are involved in their child's life are 70% less likely to be school dropouts. And children with fathers who are involved are more likely to be on the honor society in any given school. <clears throat> Children with fathers who are involved in their lives are more likely to enjoy school and to engage in extracurricular activities. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. That's 10 times the national average. Researchers at Columbia University found that children living in two-parent household with a poor relationship with their father are 68% more likely to smoke, drink, or use drugs compared to all teens in two-parent households. A teen in a single mother household is at a 30% higher risk than those in two-parent households. 70% of all youth in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. Think about that. 70% of all the youth who are in state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. That's nine times the average. And that statistic comes from the U.S. Department of Justice. 85% of all youth in prison come from fatherless homes. That's 20 times the national average. There's a father factor in incarceration. Even after controlling for income, youths in father absent households still had significantly higher odds of incarceration 
than those in mother-father families. Youths, those under the age of 18, who never had a father in the household, experienced the highest odds. A 2012 Department of Justice survey of 7,000 inmates revealed that 39% of jail inmates lived in mother-only households. Approximately 46% of jail inmates had a previously incarcerated family member. One-fifth experienced a father in prison or jail. There is a father factor in crime. A study of 109 juvenile offenders indicated that family structure significantly predicates delinquency. Adolescents, particularly boys in single-parent families, are at higher risk of status, property, and person delinquencies. Students attending schools with a high proportion of children of single parents are also at risk. A study of 13,986 women in prison showed that 70% of them grew up without their father. That's 70%, folks. 16% lived with neither parent. There's a father factor in child abuse. Compared to living with both parents, living in a single parent home doubles the risk that, that a child will suffer physical, emotional, or educational neglect. The overall rate of child abuse and neglect in a single-parent household is 27.3 children per 1,000, whereas the rate of overall maltreatment in a two-parent household is 15.5% per 1,000. Daughters of single parents without a father involved are 53% more likely to marry as teenagers. This next number is mind-blowing. 711%, you heard that number correctly, 711% more likely to have children as teenagers and 164% more likely to have a premarital birth and 92% more likely to end up being divorced themselves. Does anyone want a life like that for their daughter? Adolescent girls raised in a two-parent home with Involved fathers are significantly less likely to be sexually active than girls raised without involved fathers. And again, these numbers are coming right from the U.S. Department 
of, uh, of Health and the U.S. Department of Census. 43% of U.S. children live without their father. That's almost half. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 80%, 80% of rapists motivated with displaced anger come from fatherless homes. 71% of pregnant girls under the age of 16 lack a father. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 85% of children who exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 90% of adolescent repeat arsonists live with only their mother. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions have no father. 85% of youths in prison grew up in a fatherless home. Fatherless boys and girls are twice as likely to drop out of high school, twice as likely to end up in jail, four times more likely to need help for emotional or behavioral problems. And 79.6% of custodial mothers will receive some kind of support award from an absent father. That's not even 100%, folks. That means over 20% of these children are living in a home where a mother is trying to support that family on her income alone. 64.3 million, 64.3 million is the estimated number of fathers across the United States. 26.5 million is the number of fathers who are part of married couple families with their own children under the age of 18. Now listen to these numbers. <clears throat> Again, let me repeat them because they're mind-blowing to me. 64.3 million is the estimated number of fathers in our country. And 26.5 million is the number of fathers who are who are part of a married coupled family with their own children 
under the age of 18. That's less than that's less than half, folks. Among these fathers, 22% are raising three or more of their own children under the age of 18. 2% live in the home of a relative or a non-relative. And 2.5 million is the number of single fathers. This number is up from 400,000 in 1970. Among these single fathers, 8% are raising three or more of their own children. 42% are single because they're divorced and received custody. 38% have never been married. 16% are separated and 4% are widowed. Now, these numbers here, to me, are just terrifying when you think of all the carnage that happens throughout our country on a yearly basis. Recent policies encourage the development of programs designed to improve the economic status of low-income non-resident fathers in the financial and emotional support provided to their children. The problem is, and it's a big problem, they haven't worked. You can't force somebody to be involved with their children when society is continually downplaying that individual's role in encouraging, in a lot of ways, single parent families. There's a father factor that we don't even talk about, but I think it's an important one, and it's the educational attainment. Children who live in single-parent homes report lower educational expectations on the part of their parents. They receive less parental monitoring of schoolwork and less overall social supervision than children from intact families. This means that these children are typically not prepared to go on to higher education. Oftentimes it results in high school dropouts or suicide or crime. But most importantly, it creates poverty. We also see the fatherless syndrome in the case of those with confused identities. 
boys who grow up in father-absent homes are more likely than those in father-present homes to have trouble establishing appropriate sex roles and gender identity. It is no shock that we are seeing these issues in the forefront today. Children in fatherless homes are 81% more likely to be in a confused state as to appropriate sex roles and their own gender identity. These studies all seem to suggest that these issues are mental health issues caused by a child growing up in a household that is absent a father. Perhaps the most famous study was conducted by a P.L. Adams and J.R. Milner and N.A. Schrepf, and they wrote about it in a book entitled Fatherless Children. We see increased aggression in fatherless homes. In a study of 1,197 fourth grade students, researchers observed greater levels of aggression in boys from mother-only households than from boys in mother-father households. This comes to us from a study entitled A Longitudinal Study of Urban Elementary School Children, and it was published in the Journal of Abnormal Child Psychology, issue number 23, volume number 5. Children from low-income, two-parent families will outperform students from high-income, single-parent homes 92% of the time. Think about that. Children from low-income, two-parent families outperform students from a high-income, single-parent home. And one of the greatest impacts is criminal activity. The likelihood that a young male will engage in criminal activity doubles if he is raised without a father and triples if he lives in a neighborhood with a high concentration of single-parent families. Now, again, you don't have to take my word for any of these numbers. They are available at the U.S. Um, Bureau for um, Health and 
they also are ava available at the U.S. Uh, Bureau of Statistics for Education. The knowledge of God is supposed to go from a father's private heart to his family, as I said before. It goes to his family in the home. And then it reaches the public or the community. And then it filters into the system of justice. As a parent, the human father seeks to improve his child's life. He imparts himself into that child. He nurtures that child. He instructs that child. And yes, he sometimes has to discipline that child using the definition I gave earlier. The definition that means to train or training that corrects, molds, or perfects the mental faculties or moral character of the child. Study after study after study reaches the same conclusion that this is the single greatest role a father has. And study after study confirms that it is the father who is the primary source of this sort of discipline. One of the most powerful truths we can learn is summed up by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter number 8, verses 14 through 16. He writes that all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. In submitting to God, we have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, like we had when we were enslaved to sin, this new life we receive when we put our belief and trust in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection does not result in fear. It really is like being adopted into a family. So much so that Paul declares we have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father rather than living in fear. We can call out to God as our Father because we are children of God. When we encounter wicked and evil things, the Lord is faithful to establish us and guard us against the evil one, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Verses 2 and 3. Just like a good father, God is seeking to protect us and encourage us in doing what is good. 
So I ask once again, what is the root cause of all that troubles American society? And I'm going to submit to you the root cause of all that ails America is a lack of engaged fathers. Our society will never get better till we fix this terminal illness. We are on life support as a society. As every horrific mass shooting so horribly demonstrates. As we drive down city streets and see urban rot and poverty that is entrenched from one generation to the next generation to the next generation, each generation with fewer and fewer, fewer male fathers engaged in the lives of their children. We have an issue with mental health issues exploding across the country. But again, the CDC and its own statistics closely links absentee fatherhood with many mental illnesses. Yes, our society is indeed on life support. And the decisions we make now will impact future generations. Men, we need you to take responsibility for the children that you brought into this world. We need you to step up to the plate and to mirror the relationship that God has with his creation with your children. That is the only hope for our society. I trust and I hope that today's Differing Things podcast is something that really has you thinking long and hard about a very, very important topic. Do not belittle fathers. Do not belittle the role that men play in society. We need strong, engaged men because strong, engaged men make for strong, young, adult males and confident, strong women. I hope this edition of Differing Things has given you pause to consider and to really reflect 
on where we are as a society. Good day, and God bless. We want to thank you for listening to this week's Differing Things podcast. If you would like to get more information about the Bible, please check out our website, www.beacon-ministries.org. Do not forget to join us next week for a new Differing Things podcast. Thank you.